welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. Your number one source for theories, news and discussion. And interviews from the books and the films like me, Rupert Grint. I play Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter films. And now your host, John and Sue. Does everybody know what time it is? No, what time is it? <laughs> it's Pottercast. Pottercast! Still got a belly full of Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, and your Thanksgiving in a sandwich. My Thanksgiving sandwiches, I've had about three so far. <laughs> They've been phenomenal. I still, no, I don't even want to get into the dripping mashed potatoes idea I have in my head. But. No, 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 they don't drip. It's just like any other sub sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> you need firm mashed potatoes. Firm, yeah, you know. Anywho. If this is not a cooking show, it's Pottercast. No, we should make a cooking podcast. That'd be <sighs> sweet. I would be fun. I would do it. We should do it. Yeah. yeah. I think I've seen some posters out there lately at the malls talking about the... Order of the Phoenix DVD coming out. Yes, very soon. No. They've already started the bliss for the DVD. It's just, I mean, it's it's in the Entertainment Weekly magazines. It's going to yeah. be on ABC Fam. It'll be everywhere. Everywhere you go. Potter oh, everywhere. Man, these cool, huge posters at the mall I saw. <gasps> that would be cool. Of um, that cool one that, that they had on some billboards out there, but we've never gotten a hold of it. It's uh, the picture of... Um, all of the bad guys on the left and like Voldemort. Yes. I got the profile, and then on the other side is Harry and his friends, mm-hmm. and their profile shot, and it's like they're meeting in the center, and it's the coolest picture I've ever seen promo done for any movie. And uh, I want to get it online, and no one's got it. You know, um, you know, we saw that. That was like when we went to the premiere in London. They had that big thing, and I was like, look, and I stood right underneath it so I could have like Jason Isaacs right above my head. Yeah. It was awesome. That's as close I could get to him, but that's, that's the one. I love that poster. I think they. Re- did it. Warner Brothers just recently they just redid their website, theharrypotter.com for the Order of the Phoenix, and I think they put that on there, but I'm not sure, but that is a cool, I would love yeah. to own that poster. <sighs> Jason. Totally. Awesome. Squeak. Are you kidding me, lawnmower? <laughs> and we now interrupt this podcast <laughs> for the house session where you learned that we've been waiting for these lawnmowers to go away for like... <laughs> I could hear this rumble. Hour and they just come back when they hear me start going out about, you know, posters that's it it's the death eaters they thought and then maybe you were like signaling them back john (laughs) well until they go away i want to hear about some news and Uh, cheer me up there was actually quite a lot of news we were talking about the dvd um it is going to be released on december 11th here finally in the united states and they wd did redo their site and they've also released a new clip of our friend um ivana lynch luna lovegood filming the thestral scene yeah, which was really perfect it was really cool to watch that that's awesome yeah i guess it's one on the special um features or something on the on the discs it, because the discs are coming out the regular disc is coming out plus everything's being reformatted or has been remastered yeah. for a high definition format so uh, did they go through like the evolution of getting that line just perfect about telling them what the festivals are called no it was showed it showed like ivana and then dan like on these you know i want to call them like if I know people would like, Here's, Sue's going on about a bar. But you know how you go to those things where you can do bronco bunk, riding? It looked yeah, like yeah, that. The, so they yeah. showed Ivana sitting on this on a blue screen. And then they showed how they like did all the, the key work into, you know, the graphic work to put them in there flying. It looked really pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, they had, they had built that previously from the... Uh Riding Buckbeak. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what it was. It was a really cool motion control rig there. Yeah. 
It's really fun. I love when they put those things out like that, though. I mean, that, to me, I'm a big geek, and I want to know. I know we uh, haven't usually we haven't really gotten a whole lot of behind the scenes with the previous movies. No, Goblet had a little bit of it. No. Well, Goblet had that really cool, like, behind-the-scenes, like, a day in the life of, like, a, yeah, with, one of the actors there, at least. It was the Hufflepuff, Mr. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Come on. Yes. Cedric lives, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they caught him on a chill day. Yeah. So, um, let's see what else is new. Oh, the casting is now complete for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which is in production. And get the name of this, dude. Hero Finds Tiffin. Has been cast. Finds right, right, yeah. I was thinking Hero Nakamura for something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he has been cast to play an 11 year old Tom Riddle. I think that's pretty neat. That name sounds familiar. Well, he's the nephew of Rafe Fines, so I think we. Rafe. Yeah, we had the rumor about them before, and it turned out to be, I guess, kind of true. I think the other name was Titan, though. His brother's name is Titan. Whoa, those are some cool names. Aren't they, though? I mean, that's kind of rocking. But curiously, they did not release the names of anybody who's playing, like, the Gaunt family or Scrimshaw or. You know, so it makes me kind of worried about those storylines. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have that. Well, you know, and I, here I was thinking, you know, because last week we had talked about how they had the clip of the sneak previews of Hapla Prince, and they had filmed the orphanage. So I was thinking they're going to have Marope and all that whole mm-hmm. thing, but I, they didn't release the names of any actors or actresses for that. So I mean, they could always mention these people yeah. in the storyline. You know, give mention to these names, but they don't need to cast these parts if they're not going to really delve into it. Yeah. I don't know. We should talk next week about how it changes the storyline to have that stuff removed. You know, that that would be really good because I, I actually was hoping to, to learn because there's a lot of parallels. Although they didn't have too much of Harry being young and Sorcerer Stone. I mean, that whole mm-hmm. thing. So. I don't know. But I still would have liked to know the crazy, you know, the guy from the ministry coming and all that to the house and just... Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, the last time that they had a big flashback scene Mm -hmm. and cast a bunch of people to be in it, they... (laughs) They kind of butcher. <laughs> Pretty much. Snape's worst memory? Snape's worst huh? memory. What? Snape's worst montage memory is completely incoherent. So what the hell's going on? And especially when they cut out Lily. I mean, clearly we know how important she the is. The whole point of the scene. Yeah. The whole point of the series. Lily. I mean, seriously, if you think about it, the motivation of Snape for his love for Lily is a motivation for his whole... Yeah, it's the whole, the whole series. Whatever. <laughs> By the way, okay. we're just going to cut her out. By the way. It's all about his underpants, apparently. <laughs> Nothing to do with the girl that he's in love with. No. <laughs> so. That's okay. We, you know, you can't land everything 100%. No. You know? <laughs> Even Scott Hamilton falls on his ass a few times. Okay, so filming does go on, though, for um, Hapla Prince. So we had a little report from... They're at a train station right outside. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Dumbledore is, like, waving. We we don't know what that's about. <laughs> he's in a better mood this year. I guess <laughs> You know, we were trying to speculate what that was, but it was at because they had the train come up and they did like it. They said it was like somebody inside his the way they shot it with the camera work was like it was like the, they shot a scene looking outside the window or something. So Gambon would walk up and, you know, yeah. kind of gesture. I guess they had to do that a couple times, but I don't know what that would be for. It's me. <laughs> but he's got his little glove on or whatever green hand again. So, no. Yep. Um, That's so cool. It is cool that they're doing that. I give Gates credit for that. Yeah. I think that they did something similar when they had to film uh, Anakin. Oh, right. In uh, episode whatever it was, two or three, when they when they showed his robotic-looking oh, right. forearm. Yeah. They need to 
do the replacement yeah. here. So, but I love that they, these, the fans go out and do these you know reports. Like this one was was originally like in German. A German site had it, and all of these fans sent in all these a bunch of people sent in like translations and stuff. Like, so I just cool. love. I know it's really cool people to do that, but you know, you just want to know everything. <laughs> a little obsessive. Speaking of wanting to know everything, there had been rumors. We had all talked about for Order of the Phoenix. We had all hoped that Lockhart would have been. They would have filmed that scene, and there was rumors floating yeah. about. But um, there was a new interview with Kenneth Branagh, and he said that they never even contacted him for that. For him, oh, and, sadness. I know, but and apparently he was actually once in line to direct Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, yeah. I thought that rumor had been around yeah. for a while, but was it Azkaban? I thought it was maybe Sorcerer Stone. Well, he said he was running to direct one that that Alfonso Cuarón did. It was while I was working on the second one, he revealed. He said, they felt for a minute that maybe I'd be great if Ken did one, but it didn't work out. It would have been interesting. Mm. So, I mean, and you know, I mean, he was nominated for an Academy Award. He does a lot of directing. I mean, besides being a very accomplished um, Shakespearean actor and regular actor, too, that um, just direct. No, and he said he wouldn't come back for Deathly Hallows either. He would not? He would not, no. As a director or as an actor? Director. He would hope that um, Gilderoy would be... In for book seven. Yeah. We don't know what happened to him. <laughs> you know, I think once it gets closer to Deathly Hallows, the movie time, we're going to have to start making a wide appeal. Yeah. That every actor who was mentioned in here just needs to come back, even if it's just for like a few seconds of screen time. Yeah. Just come out to Leafson for one day. Yeah, that'd be great. And just get out in that movie. <laughs> who cares what they pay you? Yeah. I know that's stupid. But you need to be in this movie. This is the last one. This is so important. They've had extraordinary casting on these films, I have to say. Yeah. But but he was so perfect as Lockhart. You know, I like it if you stayed to the end of the movie. You got to see that like scene of him just like when he was in St. Mungo's. They had a poster of him inside um, Flourish and Blots. And, you know, he's just in there yeah. on that. that. Just that one little thing like that was hysterical, you know? It was a great little flourish. And they could have him do something like that. That would be funny to wrap that up. Like having him walk by or a story or something with Harry with yeah. his kids or something at the end of Deathly Hallows. They could do that. I think it's a good idea, John. You should write it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to rewrite it. I would never assume I could do that. No. Okay, what else is happening? Um, okay, we all know that Joe has um, handwritten seven copies of something called The Tales of Beetle the Bard, and one is going to be auctioned off for charity. Well, mm-hmm. the great news is now that the book is going to go on display here in the U.S., and I don't know if by the time this gets out, it will go on display on Monday, November 26th, and then be open to the public on the 27th and 28th as well. What does that mean exactly? Open, like down display, like just the cover, like one of the inside pages? Uh, or? You know, I don't know. I have honestly never been to one of those things. I know that they did that for um, when they had the auction for the Black Family Tree. And one of our readers yeah. went, was able to see portions of it. And they sent back and we got to see what parts of the names are on the tree, but not the whole thing. So I don't know if they'll take the book apart. I don't know. What I want to know is that where are they coming up with the value of this thing? Is it in the fact that it's a handwritten original work from Joe? Or is it the fact that only these seven people and their closest friends will know what the story is? Um, you know, there was an, there was an article that, that they had a big press day about that. And um, like one of the websites was talking about how it's very rare to get uh, an unpublished manuscript from what, say, a living author. And that they kind of guesstimate on what like other sales of other previously unpublished manuscripts had been but like with joe's they're only estimating it'll go for a hundred thousand dollars which i think yeah. is way low personally but and there's there's probably like some clauses in there that say you know you cannot you know turn this around and publish it oh no joe did say she did specify that and just say that on the on the sotheby's website that you you are not being granted publishing 
options sure. for that. But I'm sure someone will say, you know, because the book includes five tales that you are, are referenced to in Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows. So, I mean, I want to know that background just because, you know. I wonder if we ever will. Well, Joe never said that somewhere down the line she wouldn't publish this for charity, too. You know? Yeah. But you'd think that she would have to disclose that in this auction and say that, you know, this is unique and one of a kind right now, but I may eventually publish it. So, I mean, that that could change somebody's motivation for buying the thing. Well, that's true. That's true. I would think so. And, you know, I would think the people that she's given the other six copies to... Maybe, like, say she's going to give one, and we don't know, but say she's giving one to Arthur Levine. He's not going to go ahead and publish that on his own, you know? No. <laughs> you know? I do know that it says you're not being granted any publishing rights to it. No. And there is a catalog that you can purchase, and it does have, like, little bits about it, like images from, from the thing, but it doesn't tell everything. So, and all the money from that does go to charity, for the Children's Voice charity, too. So, I guess in a way you can get, like, we the fans can get old of some of it, but... I just want yeah. the whole thing, so I don't know. I'm greedy. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Speaking of being greedy, I love Potter. I want to dwell in it, and I want to go to Orlando, Florida in 2009 or 10. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's happening then? <laughs> well, apparently you can go and sing Christmas carols and do Halloween there, if this rumor is true. Well, that makes a lot of sense, considering that they have huge events for Halloween in their whole park. Yeah. They do their Halloween Horror Nights, and they had a huge one this year with, like, all the big, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger and Jason and all those other crazies from the scary movies and things. Yeah. and they they go all out for Christmas too, and then they have the uh, whole area there yeah. for Dr. Seuss and stuff that gets covered in you know snow and everything. Oh, and that'd be fun. They they go all out for holidays. So if they you know have their big Harry Potter park attached to their yeah. other other parks there, it would stand to very good logic that they would dress them up for holidays too. So uh, you know it, that that was cool because this report said that they're going to have like for the Christmas they would have um, they're planning a holidays at Hogwarts with carolers strolling through the streets of Hogsmeade and a traditional English Christmas feast being served nightly in the Great Hall at the Hogwarts Castle. Whee! Mm-hmm. Which will be squeak. And then they're going to try and compete with um, I guess Disney World does a Halloween not so scary Halloween party. And they're going to try and compete. Like you said, make it more like kid-friendly. Yeah. This was kind of cool, John. And maybe you can elaborate more about this. But um, they said that phase one of the Wizarding World may not open open in late 2009. And that phase would probably include Hogwarts Castle and Hogmeade's Village. And phase two, and featuring the Forbidden Forest and that Weasley family flying car attraction. Yeah. That would be sweet. Yeah, it's funny. I've never heard any of that officially. Really? From anybody. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not, I don't know who they're sourcing there. Yeah, I don't but, know. Uh, that, that comes from that Screamscape website or whatever it is. This was on uh, Jim Hill Media and then that Screamscape website also has stuff about this too. And those are like unofficial, you know, that Jim Hill well, guys. They're, just, yeah. they're, they're theme park enthusiast blogs and right. websites and things. So, they've sent people out there. And, right scour the parks for interesting things and they're, they're diehards for everything theme park so yeah they'll, they'll probably be covering it um, pretty hardcore i would think so too. i would think so there was there was talk on one of those websites about retheming one of their their, their roller coasters over there that's oh. dragon theme mm-hmm. called the dueling dragon mm-hmm. as to some kind of goblet of fire dragon Ooh. Uh, sort of thing <laughs> that'd be awesome which would be pretty neat i mean i i, I hadn't really occurred to me that they would be re-theming parts of their existing park mm-hmm. 
and incorporating into that. You've been in that. I have never been to Universal, so I don't know. But I mean, that's would be a pretty. I think it would just be a huge, like, physical task just to undertake to redo all of that. That just seems like yeah. And they apparently they've they've given some quotes to some sources, I guess, that said that uh, the part of their park in question, their Lost Continent area mm-hmm. of the park, um, will would remain open during oh. construction. So if it's going to remain open. And I don't see where, I mean, unless maybe just parts of it are going to remain open because it is a pretty big land for them. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I expect we'll hopefully be getting more information from these guys yeah. uh, before the year's out. Yeah. But just, I mean, you know, we were talking last week about the conventions plan and stuff. And then you read these kind of things and you're like, man, is it 2009 yet? I want to go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. You know, because I really did. I thought, I remember the day that that announcement came. And I thought, you know what? I really want to go apply to be like a work in a leaky cauldron and be like a little bartender or something. I can work down there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. Uh, that'll, be a, that'll be a fun day when that FAQ page goes up and <laughs> be like, do I have to be British to work here? It's like, no. No. <laughs> You think we're going to bring him over and, you know, by ship and by plane <laughs> from England to work at our park? It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. If they need people to be Hufflepuffs, I volunteer. You know, yeah, they probably would need people to be Hufflepuffs because... <laughs> I think it'd be fun. <laughs> I guess they can have all types. They have to have all the houses there, so... Well, they were, I, you know, I think there was a rumor about that they were actually going to have an area for young children with, uh, <laughs> with slides and ball pits. And it was Hufflepuff themed. And uh, that's where all the Hufflepuffs were supposed to play while the the uh, Gryffindors and Slytherins went on the roller coasters. So. Uh-huh. You know what? You are such a Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> you are such a big old... I love roller coasters. I am not afraid of roller coasters. <laughs> you know, John and, John and I are both from... I should talk about... We have, we're from Ohio, and we have... Ohio has the world's, I think, best roller coasters. And like, there's one called The Beast. And I tell you what, I used to ride in the front seat. Go down on that ride. And I bet you wimped out if you ever go on those rides. Did you ever wimp out God, on the Beast? That's um in Kings Island. Is that Kings Kings Island? Yeah, no, I grew up going to Cedar Point. Oh well. Yeah, that's a good one too. What's they have some good ones up there. Oh, they got more roller coasters at one park than anything in the world. Yeah, they do, but so I am not gonna go stay in some play ball pit. I will go work <laughs> on the rides. Not all wimp puffs are not wimpy. We are just kind okay, of I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I think that's enough news, though, for now. But. We have, yeah, I think we've got plenty of news to go mm-hmm. for. We will have uh, many future shows, I'm sure, yes. uh, themed all about the uh, the Harry Potter Park. Because we get more information on it, because that's just too much fun. Oh, too much fun. I can't wait. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, man, you know, <laughs> kind of in a musical mood. It's Christmas now. You are? Oh, God. We better get out of here. Yeah. I'll start singing. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm going to come. I'm going to write me a Hufflepuff theme song. I think I need to do that. Yeah? Yeah. I think you should video blog, too. Oh, I think that they should have the, the video blog for the Hufflepuffs out there. <laughs> like, how to be a Hufflepuff video blogs. You know, that would be fun. You could have, like, one video at a time. Be like, Hufflepuffs do this. And, you know, we, we cook this for dinner. And... <laughs> and- and what will we have for the Slytherins? And we go and we set our meatballs on fire. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> How to handle a Slytherin? <laughs> could be one video. That could be very popular. It could be. I will consider it. I'm so old-fashioned, but I do not have a little video camera yet. But if I ever get one, oh, yeah, I will need a little webcam. I'll get one. And I'll, I'll, if you think Sue should do that, everybody, you should email sue at the leafycauldron.org. <laughs> no, no. we'll, we'll see. How many people agree with me? Well, who would watch this besides the Hufflepuff now? I mean, come on. Now. You tell her who would watch it, everybody. You email, too. <laughs> no. <Sue. laughs> 
and then I'm going to have John come on. I'm going to tell him what not to do. There we I go. Can, I can help you for your, your reenactments of how to deal with Slytherin. <laughs> oh, I just want to see the cooking. I think we should do that cooking cast, and we could do that, to, you know, how Hufflepuffs and Slytherins will cook. And that would just be, you know, because we're that could a be festive, totally cool. You know, Joe said they're a festive bunch, so, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, golly. Oh, All right, let's get out of here. Okay, we better go. This is crazy. Okay. I thought this one was a really good chapter in terms of the aftermath of this big conflict. It's not just there was this conflict and everybody's okay. It was not knowing what was going on. Everybody's missing their port keys. Nobody's there. And you know the chapter's Fallen Warrior. And so after Hagrid gets up, is it going to be Fred or George? Is it going to be Mad-Eye? Is it going to be, you know, somebody? Is it going to be Lupin? Is it going to be, you know, you just never knew who it was going to be. After finding out Hagrid was alive and well, we are then transported to the borough, where we are made to wait and see who did and didn't make it out of Privet Drive. Alas, another figure we expected to die prior to the release of the book, Alistair Moody, disappeared from the story. I found the chapter to be a bit too long. I believe that they should have had one or two of the parties return to the borough on schedule before Harry. Having drawn out arrivals for each of the six parties was a bit too much. Fred and George's humor in this chapter was just wonderful. It dawned on me that these two really deserve to be admired. The joking around might seem irresponsible, but it's their way of shrugging off obstacles and not letting them get in the way of their goals. That type of outlook is is exactly what the Order needs. I think this was a very important chapter, but not just for Harry, for the Weasleys and many of the Order members as well. Because Mad-Eye was killed. He died doing what he believed in, doing what he loved. He was helping Harry. He was helping overthrow the Dark Lord. And he went out fighting. That's the way I think Mad-Eye would have loved to go out. Chapter 5 is when I started pacing around my house while I listened to it. Finding out that Mad-Eye was killed, that was when I pulled out my first Kleenex. Of course, I kind of figured that Mad-Eye would be the first one to die. I mean, I wasn't really surprised that he was the one to die. Because you just kind of knew that through that whole ordeal, there was no way the Order would get lucky enough that everyone would survive. And here we are for a little bit by bit, taking the cannon a bit at a time with Sue and friends, right, That's Sue? Right. Who are our friends this week? Oh, I think we have some nice friends. We have Mr. World-renowned famous artist known as Fred! <laughs> our first returning guest host. <laughs> Woo! And we liked him so much, and we're not at all biased no, that we hang out with him all the time. Not at all. But we have- <laughs> I don't even know who you guys are. Am I in a podcast? <laughs> What's a frack? What's a frack? But that's not all who's here, though. We have two not, lovely, Not even close to me at all. Yes, we are. We do have two lovely lovelies. Mm-hmm. One lovely, which happens to be my lovely. And who would that be? Would that be? You may oh. know her as someone who fancies the trio. Her name is Bree. She's my girlfriend. <laughs> Hi, Bree! Hi! Yay! <laughs> and uh, another awesome friend to Pottercast. You may have seen her on um other such youtube videos as um the demon donut and oh <laughs> <laughs> i've been thinking about how to introduce you all day rita i don't really oh know but rita is awesome and rita um has been on potter podcast before 
So we will be expecting brilliance from you, Rita. Yay! Thank you for having me. What do we do first? We introduce the topic of the bit That's by bit, right. don't we, Yes, Sue? we do. Is that what we do? Can you help me with that, Sue? Because you, you explain it so well. Well, what we're doing is we're going through the book Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows a little bit at a time. And this time we're up to the events in Chapter 5, which is known as Fallen Warrior for those following along at home. And we've just yes. come from a terrible moment when there's a big splat after a terrible battle. And we don't know what's it happened has. with to our friend. And there's and there's the chapters of Fallen Warrior, and we just had yes. a big fall with Hagrid, a big fall, and Harry, and you know Hedwig, which I thought Hedwig could have been the Fallen Warrior. I've said that joke a hundred times. I don't care, I but um, <laughs> we're gonna take this chapter. The chapter is a very big chapter, yes. so we're gonna take half of it this right. week. First half starts us out with uh, everybody trying to figure out what the hell just happened there. And uh, they were trying to get to their meetup points, right? Right. All right. Now, just to to refresh me, each each of the each of the seven groups had a, a specific meetup point, right? Right. Yeah, a, a different point and a different time. Okay, and then they were supposed to take port keys to the Weasleys' house. Yes. What What do you guys think of that as uh, as a a tactic to avoid the Death Eaters? Do you think that was the most logical way to do it? Yeah, I get you know it's just as logical as it could right. be, you know as safe I mean? as they possibly could they could put be. all the enchantments over it. So they um, where was Harry's point? Where where, where was Harry and Hagrid supposed to meet? Tonks' At, family uh, house. Right? Tonks' parents, right? Ted Tonks. Yeah, right. And then that's where Hagrid actually landed, right? Because we we hear him and he just he fell. And it were, I, I thought that was really great how Joe wrote this chapter because we didn't know what happened and like Harry's kind of like dazed and stunned by everything, and then Hagrid comes up and i kind of felt like we were with him and i thought that was really well written where she did that little change but so here's hagrid he gets out of the mud and then there's ted tonks which was all we heard before about ted wasn't he doing the weather or something i don't know maybe someone can remember <laughs> i don't remember what? much about weather. ted tonks to be honest other than that this tonks... prior to this book or just in, in general know, well just wasn't he yeah i don't know well, he was in this chapter, and then he was on the run, and then you well, know, but no, but wasn't it Although, previously though that we learned about him somewhere? Was I thought I could have sworn he was like the weatherman, but like when when ha- I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, just lunatic. I don't know. All right, sorry. I don't remember on. much about Tonks. It's funny because the most we hear about Tonks's family is negatively. As uh, we had, we just heard about uh, um, the Tonks family a little bit in the first chapter when Voldemort's mocking Bellatrix about. About that other bit of her family, so it's uh, yeah. Because wasn't Tonks a mudblood? No, but but uh, Ted Tonks was a Muggle, wasn't he? No, no, was he? I'm no. embarrassing myself. Te- he's Muggle-born. He's but, not Muggle. But how does he fix up? I mean, well, but you know, he fixes Harry up. Oh, and I, he fixes his little ailments, his ribs, and his arm. And oh, that's and right, that's right, so that's right. Is. Okay, so he's not, he's a muggle-born. That's, that's right, why muggle-born. They, they think that uh, that part of the family tree is so so gross. But he's married, he's not a but he's blood. married to one of the black sisters, right? That's yeah, the Andromeda. black sisters. Yeah. Black. We are the daughters of black <laughs> okay. Thank you for that random so, song, John. Okay, but you know, Brack knows what it's from. But you know, like Andromeda. Oh, you know, oh, we always oh, wondered what she would be like, so and awful. we get this. Oh, God. You know, you too. 
sing it into song all the time. And there comes Rita. She's hysterical. <laughs> Bree and I will just talk among ourselves. Okay. And here is <laughs> in her musical debut. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, All right. Man. So they finally they make their way via port key to the Weasleys, and it is not a happy sight to see. All of this. All of the Weasleys just so freaked out. This is wartime. This is heavy-duty stuff. And um, they encounter Mrs. Weasley straight off. Is that right? Right. Mrs. Weasley and Ginny. Yeah, because she's there with Ginny, right? Yeah, and then they're all worried about who and what and who's getting there and when they're getting there, who's missed their port key, you know, and all that jazz. Yeah. So, because you can't apparate in, correct? Yeah, they had a lot of um, security set up around, around the place, and uh, there's very specific spots you could port key into, and uh, it's, there's a lot going on. This is, this is kind of a, a tricky chapter. Because we're really... It's very, like, military strategy, like, you know, like, this point, this point. And it's just, it's kind of, it was very technical. Right. Well, the one thing that I thought, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but the one thing that really, really struck me about, like, one of these pages is that we learned about these poor keys. You're talking about military. That poor keys can travel back by themselves. Like, if there's a point in time that that these poor keys came back. So that's how they knew that so-and-so wasn't there or was, you know, missing. Oh, that's, that's and I right. Had, and I, you know, when you go back to Goblet of Fire, you think, uh-oh, is this kind of like, you know. But the, I was really fascinated to learn that porkies are predetermined or you can preset a time for them that they must return, you know. Because I remember like when like in Goblet of Fire, when like the Arthur was saying they went up to the hill and they say, oh, we have to be at this certain time to touch the porky to go to the Quidditch World Cup. But I never realized that the porkies just return back from where they came from. I just... It's kind of like a train. You have to get it. You have to get on there yeah. in time. I mean, that was just that was a new piece of canon that I just hadn't expected. I was like, "Oh, that's really fascinating." I know, but I'm a dork. Sorry. Huh. So, how worried were and all you, you guys? You can probably you can probably enchant the object specifically though to either go on a time or like once it makes contact, like the the world the the cup. You know, when Harry and Cedric touched the cup, it, that's when it was activated. It's probably how uh, you enchant it. Okay. Yeah. And so I think this one, it was probably smarter to keep it at a time thing because if someone got to it prematurely that wasn't supposed to get it, they'd pick it up and nothing would happen. You have to touch it within that time frame. So, like, it's just – it's harder to, um, you know, uh, uh, trick, I guess. But that's really good. That's a really good point. It's probably just an added measure of security, I would think. That's what's so – I mean, it's just so complex. And I really want to talk about that, but – Someone else, you guys talk because I, I will go on forever about these little minute who care points. But no, I like those little minute. I things. do too. I looked it up. Um, Ted Tonks is Muggleborn. Ah, okay. Well, I, had a, I had a question though for you guys because, like, I was I was freaking out at this point because we don't know who is um, you know, who made it out okay after, right. after this whole ordeal. I mean, were you guys expecting to be to be having the worry for deaths this? This soon. I mean, we just lost Hedwig, and we don't know what happened to anybody yeah. else. But it is pretty intense because, I mean, you know, when we find out later that Voldemort was amongst the Death Eaters, it, any one of them could have, you know, just died. And I kept thinking of Hermione because I, I heard spoilers, and I people kept saying Hermione was going to die in all these different ways, and I was just thinking, oh my god, Hermione's with Kingsley, who is, you know, one of the most powerful of the Order. So I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Please don't let Hermione die. And so that was probably what worried me the most. I was just freaking out about Hermione. Hermione. Losing it that 
that soon? Yeah, that soon. Then I then I realized that wouldn't be logical anyway because we need Hermione until the end. So, God know, forbid if she did die. <laughs> well, what ruined the Hermione? Like even the scene when she's being tortured, I was freaking out. Oh my god, yes. And, but then my brain, since I was freaking out so much, they it kind of. It, I remembered the the what was it the special edition cover and had the whole trio riding on the dragon that hadn't happened yet so that kind of ruined it for me. Aw, hey, no fast forwarding here. Oh right, Sorry. no fast forwarding. Hermione tortures it happened to probably Pottergast one seventy two. Who who else were you, were you worried about? Uh, like the Weasley, all the Weasleys, uh, because there's so many of them. We knew one of them was gonna kick it. Uh, yeah. And then Fred came back. Uh, George came back damaged. <gasps> is this what happens next? George is damaged. What George happened? Is damaged goods. Well, he come, he comes back. He who's the first one to come back? He is the first one. I remember. Yeah, I don't remember up. the first one, but I definitely remember George being the most vivid thing because you always you're thinking, are the twins going to make it? One of the twins, both of the twins. What's going to happen? And and um, I don't know. Do you guys? I think I think Bree, you you like you actually really do like the twins, don't you? So were you pretty freaked out at this point when you when you saw uh, one of them come back hurt like this? Well, I thought that just because he had been hurt, I, I was actually thinking that, oh, good, nothing's going to happen to them, because that was just, like, the one one bad thing that was going to happen to the twins, yeah. which was probably yeah. ignorant, but I was just I thought the same thing. I was just happy he was alive. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because they said he was just blood cover, but he wasn't, like, like dead, not breathing kind of thing, you know? But, oh Yeah. And we got... And when... His mother trying to heal him, that was so sad. Yeah, it's a very oh. interesting bit we got there, is the knowledge of of dark curse injuries can't be can't be healed. Yeah, and it's interesting how Snape was able to it just brings a whole different depth to Snape's character mm-hmm. because he didn't have to do that, you know what I mean? And like he healed uh Snape. I mean Draco. not Snape, uh Draco. But it was his spell, so he probably knew the counter and he knew like the mechanics of the spell oh, so right. he knew how to what to do type of thing. But we'll never so know. Just... I'm sorry, we're not supposed to go ahead. Okay. but you know it was interesting because george was with lupin right and and then i just kind of felt like lupin was like kind of really kind of hostile i don't know i guess when you're in a war situation things are tense and emotions are high but lupin Lupin stunned me throughout the entire book book. it was just too much so like this is not lupin he was a little intense it was very intense but then we heard about stan shunpike coming back right or how do you say his name stan shunpike yeah that's it shunpike as one of the death theaters yeah I mean, they're talking. About- well, that's what, that's what drew Harry. You know, that's, that's what blew his covers when he saw Stan. Right, right. And he's like, "Oh man, you know, he didn't want to hurt this guy, so he did his famous expelling armus, and they all beeline to him." <laughs> that's right. That's crazy. Well, what else is going on then in this chapter? Because I don't want to kick it too far because we have the whole other half of the chapter to hit next week. But uh, this was just a very emotional part of the book because you have the Weasley house, which is just Harry's, this is his real home, and this family that he comes to for comfort, and it's a safe place, and suddenly everything is upside down. And, and it was just, the, the this chapter was up and down, up and down. Like someone would someone would arrive, and then they'd sit down in the, in the, in the, like the waiting room and like, you know, just wait for something to happen. They'd talk and unwind and tell you, you got everybody's little individual story. And then all of a sudden someone would come back and it was worse. Yeah. Like, oh no, is that really yeah. you? And they like, you can't what's trust the secret? It. What's it my really, Patronus take? Yeah, like the whole war type situation where you can't trust anyone. And we were just thinking, oh my God, this is crazy. I mean, 
first of all, the whole thing with needing the apologies potion and not knowing, you know, who's the traitor and, and then Lupin freaking out. And it, it was just really, really... Oh, that's right. The whole traitor thing. I forgot like, about that. You know, who could it be? And Yeah, because they're all freaking out. They're all like, what the hell just happened there? They were not expecting that battle. No, not at all. That's crazy. Oh, I, I what was hilarious to me, and I remember reading with the, uh, reading this with you, Bree, because you were with us uh, and uh, at at the house that we all read together after mm-hmm. uh, after the thing was uh, <laughs> Harry starts getting drunk or something, doesn't he? <laughs> That's right. Dips out the fire <laughs> yeah. whiskey. I thought that was freaking <laughs> hilarious because we've never we ever even seen them drink fire whiskey before. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. tried, but they didn't get was it. Was that, is that in Half-Blood uh, Half Prince? And Hermione scolds they have, Ron I think for, they have mead. Yeah. Well, they have that too, uh, but... I, I can't keep it straight. But, it, you know, I, I don't blame the guys, because if there's any time that I would kick out the fire whiskey, it would be after an ordeal like that. Was Harry yeah. drinking age in England? Yeah. That's a good question. I think, you, I think isn't it, you can yes, give it... I mean, somebody can serve you liquor... But I mean, not well. Or like, <laughs> with dinner, right? If there's wine with dinner, right, some with, goofy yeah. roll, and then yeah, it's just it's handled much more maturely over there. It's not so taboo. Like you yeah. just, it's just kind of part of the culture. So people don't overindulge in it. Like it's just so frustrating here when people get. Well, that's a whole other topic. I'm not. I'm sorry. Woo tangent. But well, Hagrid though he downed Molly. Didn't <laughs> she give him some? And he just like, okay, I'll drink it. And he drank the whole bottle or something to recover from it. <laughs> Hagrid, love Hagrid. That's Hagrid. Yeah. It probably doesn't even affect him much. <laughs> well, it, and it's and it's a wizarding world. So if there can be of age at seventeen, like who knows when they can drink fire whiskey? But it's but true. you know, yeah. I just and how we don't even know if it is alcoholic. It's true. It's true. But you know that chapter though it was just I kept thinking you know after we just went through that incredible fight scene before I mean that whole scene I was just like gripping that book I just was like I just was like it was playing through in my head you know you're just like watching this great action scene in your head when you're reading this book and then you go to this flump they're in this 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 you know with the tonks and then they're over and it seemed very still tense and it was like I didn't know if it would be sad. I was kind of bracing myself for it to be sad, and then it was this. And I don't. Did you all feel kind of like uneasy when you were reading this? Like, oh no, it's really going to be bad. There was really going to be bad news. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I don't know. I just thought. No, I know what you mean. I, I, it was just a very tense chapter for me. Like it was just hard to take. It was just kind of like, oh my gosh, I wanted to be over. I just want to know what happened to everybody. I just, I can't take this waiting. And like, I think she did a very good job because we were very much in the place of like probably Molly or Ginny. Like we just saw it from afar and we just want to be caught up and we care about all these characters. We just want them to be okay. And poor Molly. She has, I mean, she has Ron and Arthur and George and yeah. it's, it's crazy how many people she has, how much of her family she has out on the line. And poor Molly has to take it all in in the end. And it's really intense. And and you have Harry and Ginny who are trying to fight their own emotions. And Harry sees Ginny and it's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, hey, somebody to make out with. Hey, That'll what's going on? <laughs> but you're, you're right, though, about Molly. It takes us back to uh, Order of the Phoenix with her Bogart. And oh, right. Like, oh, all no. of her family, she doesn't want, you know, she wants them all to survive all this. And I, I couldn't be scarier to just watch them come back one at a time. Oh, especially the first one that comes through the door is your bloodied son with, you know, I mean, just. Oh. That you can't fix. Oh. I just think it really sets the tone, you know, about about this book. You know, 
it's one thing to lose a random professor that you've never met before in the first chapter. And it is pretty sad to lose your pet, but to see bloody Weasleys, actually <laughs> blood-covered Weasleys, that, yeah. you know, that is really setting us up for the rest of this book. And I bet it was weird because, like, that blood probably cr- clashed with their hair. I'm kidding. That was horrible. That was. <laughs> how much of is how much of his ear do you think really got sliced off? All of it. In my head, it's yeah, the whole I thing. Yeah, I picture the hole. whole thing gone. Just this Just gaping hole. hole. Yeah, exactly. Into his head. Yeah, because it's the whole holy thing. You know, yeah. like, there's a hole in his head now. Like it it's, kind. Of, who does it look like? I, there's, there's a movie. It wouldn't be like that guy that Mike Tyson bit oh, the God. Oh, God, no. He's yeah, a little more of it. He's a little bit of, like, the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Snape's Mike Tyson. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my That's actually Spectre the first thing I thought of, which is funny. Yeah. Spectrum oh, Sempra. What would that spell be, then? Tyson. Tyson sep- something. He did that voice exactly right. <laughs> Because I was trying to think about how, you know, because uh, I'm trying to come up with uh, which cool parts of the book would be neat to try to do the special effect for. And I'm trying to figure out how to do George's ear. And um, I can't, I, I guess it's just a big hole. I can draw it. Like, in my head, I have a very vivid picture of it. Really? Yeah, it's just, it's almost like a, I think it would almost look like a burn wound type of thing. Like, yeah. like it would be, after Molly tried to fix it, it would just, it just... It kind of, in my head, this is how it would work. Like, say it would be bleeding and stuff until she tried to fix it, and when she tried to fix it, the, when it was healing, it scarred. That'd be I cool. think that's that. That would be like a nice balance to the fact of how, like, you know, you can't dark, um, like yeah. curse scars. You can't really fix them, but when you try to, it's just kind of like that's how the magics um, react to each other because they, it still yeah. has the both magic are still intact, and so it's just mm-hmm. they just kind of have a volatile compound that makes it just like scar tissue yeah I, I could totally see mrs weasley there just attempting to like regrow an ear onto the guy Aww. and having it just not sticking you know it just yeah. it starts to bloom off the side of his head and it falls off or yeah it just kind of withers know, just warps back into his head poor george well awesome i i, I want to hop on to the next part of this chapter but uh, we have to save it for next week what's the next part well, the next part, we we actually uh, have a, a vision here from Harry uh, of of Voldemort, and uh, oh, they discussed Voldemort flying. Remember? Oh, his flying. Yeah, they they're like he was flying without a broom. That's the first thing all of them said. Oh, by the way, he can fly, which is huge. If they're all freaking out about it, then no one else has. This is pretty much unheard of is this the part of the chapter where harry addresses like the fact that his wand acted on its own accord and then hermione and them are like it can't happen harry you did it yourself i love how they always no say that like harry. are you seriously still saying it can't happen yeah, after really. all the crap you've been through like have you not you read book one harry? through six hermione <laughs> i was like it's like even for wizards talking to snakes that's bad <laughs> that's bad even in the wizarding world <laughs> hearing voices yeah no way voldemort's bad <laughs> It's preposterous. We should do a little more. Mo- mon- oh, have you guys seen that video on YouTube, Harry Potter in five seconds? <gasps> yes. No, I haven't. It I is love horribly that. All hilarious. the movies in five seconds. Yeah, it, was, it shows Dumbledore talking, and he's all like, um, your mother left your mark on you. Do you know what that is, Harry? And he's like, and then all of a sudden he goes, what? 
And then all of a sudden it has a cut to all these different violent parts of the movie, like ah, him talking parcel mouth, and then Harry's uh, just really blowing mad. up, and then I'm gonna kill him. And then all of a sudden it goes love. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. All right, awesome. Well, I, as much time as we have for the bit by bit, now of course we get to talk a little bit about uh, Order of the Phoenix. Ministry seeks educational reform. Dolores Umbridge appointed first ever High Inquisitor. And here we are with the Phoenix Files. Phoenix Files! We haven't done this one in a little bit, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) On a night like tonight. Phoenix Files, on a night like tonight, are you mad? <laughs> oh God! Oh, I want to go with my French fries. I think that should be fries. the new intro. That should be the new intro. It should. I think we should intro everything with everything. Podcast on a night like tonight. Are you mad? That would be perfect. Oh God! Gum would be perfection. <laughs> no, I can't remember anymore which one this was about. Do you I remember, do. Sarah? It's about our friend. Himelda Staunton as Umbridge, and she meets... I was going to say, which one of those are No, but she meets the Miss Fierce, Miss Maggie Smith as... What up? As Mm -hmm. McGonagall. And that's... McGonagall is usually the one to pwn every situation, so her against Umbridge. That was pretty cool. I love that. And we'll talk more about Umbridge and talking about her becoming the Inquisitor lady... And uh, starting to really piss off a lot of the teachers with her little montage of inspecting everybody. But uh, montage. Let's, uh, let's let's talk about that uh, that moment there with McGonagall and Umbridge because that was that was pretty dang funny. That was amazing. It was amazing. I'm just glad they put it in because because one of my favorite parts about the book, mm-hmm. the fifth book, was just. I love McGonagall and Umbridge's tension between each other and just how that was explored. And it was a nice kind of bone, throwing a bone to us, kind of like it's show. They they can't really address it as intimately as the book. There's not enough time, but it was nice that they had that. Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorite characters. Oh, McGonagall? McGonagall. Oh, yeah. yeah. Her, her and, and Dumbledore are my, my two favorite adult characters. And I think Maggie Smith has just been spot on McGonagall since I day one. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she... Brilliant. I I love the hell out of her. So when I when I was um you know reading her moments and in, in Phoenix, I was thinking this is awesome because you know we did, we didn't get the awesome scene with her and uh, and Harry to, talking about the career stuff and Dumble oh, and right. Umbridge in there, which was kind of a bummer. Oh, I but... forgot that wasn't there. I hate the movie now. <laughs> <laughs> but this was pretty damn funny too because they they're playing with. Um, with how short Umbridge is. Yeah, that I was great. That. I love that. Taking the steps. <laughs> that was really clever. And all the students watching. Yeah. What do you What do you guys think of those moments, though, when they pull, they bring all the students over and they just basically tell you, okay, you guys stand here and watch. Watch while we're having play. a moment. I don't mind it so much. Like, on <laughs> this movie especially, they, they I think the students had a lot of good direction. There was some scenes in the fourth movie that... You could, I could, I felt that the director just kind of like do what you want, you know, ad lib it, and it was just seemed a little contrived. This one seemed very, um, 
in sync with everything else. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that, though, because that's usually my complaint when all the kids are on, all the extras and all this stuff are in there, because, you know, obviously you understand that most of them are extras at that point, and they're not all going to be able to, you know, act out, you know, other things happening in the scene. Because, I mean, it would be distracting, but I, I look at that and I'm like, I don't see, like like you said, in Gobble of Fire, when the the Weezy Twins run in there and they have their thing, it's like everybody just stops what they're doing. Yeah. They look over at them. They just kind of stone-faced. And then they, you know, unless they're clapping. But it's like anything, you, you lug you the kids over to watch the Umbridge McGonagall moment. Now, I guess if my teacher was facing off against this new teacher who was bossing everybody around, I'd stop what I was doing and watch too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then honestly, if you think about it, there was a lot of scenes in the in the fifth film where the students did kind of linger in packs, like yeah. especially with the fireworks, and then when Fred, and, oh, that's when Fred yeah, when yeah, with Trelawney, and it just it all just seemed to the, he did the Yates did a very good job at, as directing the big flocks of students not for them not to look like a bunch of extras yeah. they actually looked like they were all key players which I, is you know it's good i feel like if we didn't have that even though it feels unnatural sometimes i think it there would be something missing from like i don't i'm, I'm not really sure i, I like oh i know that's, that's true because it's, it's a school you know yeah yeah it would just be like the trio and their three new friends in a big huge castle <laughs> otherwise right. and that'd be kind of weird that wouldn't really be a school that'd be like a club a really cool clubhouse <laughs> and teachers so but yeah because there were other moments with these students too like when umbridge is going down the corridors and um she's tucking kids shirts in and breaking up makeout sessions and yeah pushing up ties pushing so up ties. See more of the kids yeah then, then she tighten up the, the, oh, the ties. Ties. Yeah. i thought you said pushing up pies i'm like what she's growing pies <laughs> Just pushing up pies. <laughs> she goes into the kitchens, messes with Sue's house Daddy, elves. Poor house elves. <laughs> she rubs in the fact that they're slaves. Not slaves. Yes. Oh. Um, oh. I'm yeah, sorry. No, I'm ignoring that. That's on a different um, subject here. You know what was interesting, though, that I, I just think <laughs> who's excellent as well is Emma Thompson as Trelawney. And oh, I really I wanted that. more of those scenes when Umbridge is like grilling her. You know, I just was kind of hoping in that. But well, it sounds like we got that in the, um, in we, the deleted scenes, didn't we? There's an, I haven't seen it yet. It's personally. not her. Well, she is, and they're not confronting each other. But it's all mostly Emma Thompson totally stealing. If they had kept it in, totally <laughs> being Trelawney and the way which she's doing the food I they is had just one. hysterical. It's, I thought they oh. had an, like an ex- extended version of oh. Umbridge criticizing. They um, do. I mean, that one's Trelawney's yeah, classroom. Right. I'm sorry, but yeah, it was painful. That was painful. It was kind of, uh, yeah, painful to watch. It's written so perfectly though, because I love how Joe turns characters around on us, like characters that you start out not liking, and then you become endeared to them. Well, and they're then just you get out. when other people give them a hard time. Yeah. Like they're like real people, you know. It's not like they're just these one-dimensional characters. Like the fact that, like you know, you know, everyone has parts about you and the, that you like, and the parts about you get frustrated with. And it's great, yeah. like you said, like you know, we, at first we saw how this is just annoying teacher who was just talking a bunch mm-hmm. of BS, like yeah, the inner eye, and like right, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that's and it's a good way to have Humbridge's uh, nastiness be solidified by showing these interactions with 
characters that we do like, and like like Umbridge. Um, I I don't know anybody who's not Umbridge. I mean, like like McGonagall, and I don't know anybody who's not not a fan of McGonagall. You know, as mixed feelings as we've had about uh, about Trelawney. You know, you see you see the look in her eyes, and you see is like her whole body of work is being questioned, and so like whole we, paradigm we talked is about it earlier. Challenged. Yeah, like. Like Harry and Ron and them joke about it, and certainly Hermione joked about it. But somehow, when when Umbridge does I know, it, and it's, it, we, it was interesting like too it. because they had the the in the in the deleted scenes they have the cutaway reactions too, and I think they had it in the regular film. But uh, you can see the class kind of being just wait a minute, and you know, and that kind of sentiment would you know, and they kept that in the in the film, and I think that was important too because you could realize the level of Umbridge and just she. Just has no mercy. There's she has no takes no prisoners. I guess would be the way to say it. But definitely, and I think it is kind of like an us versus uh, versus her kind of thing. When it's it's like uh, you know I've got I've got little sisters. I got older sisters, and I as a brother am allowed to pick on my little sisters. But anybody else picks on them, you know, they're gonna they're gonna pay hell for it. Yeah. So so the students right. can pick on Trelawney all they want, but once this outsider comes in here from the ministry. That is just being, you know, a total ass to everybody. They yeah, they, they like get defensive between you know just a teacher you don't like and then a complete dictator who yeah. walks in. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point, Rita. Demoralizes everyone and just it's just uh, yeah. It's one thing like average. getting a, a teacher who's annoying and then dealing with someone who's like forcing you into her box and is just so flippant and passive aggressive about it that you can't you know. Yeah, Dealing I thought it was. I thought it was interesting, and it had me thinking because I I like to call myself a, a Slytherin because you know Slytherins are cool. Um, <laughs> but she starts the no inquisitorial way. squad, and me had me thinking. It's like, what do you think they talk about? Like, do they have meetings? You know, with Umbridge, or like, do they get along? Do they have a good rapport with Umbridge? Do they joke around, or are they just? You tell us, John. You tell us. I don't know. I I'd, I'd love to have that kind of thing fleshed out a little more because how did these Slytherins not recognize that this lady is also not good news for anybody? It's like she wasn't giving Snape a free ride, and I don't, well, I don't it's know. Just, I, mean, I think it's more. It's a Slytherin characteristic. The they're just being ambitious and seizing the moment. Like they're taking advantage of this time to have that you know extra dose of power. You That's know, and it, it's worth tolerating some like um, management. Like what is it? Uh, micromanagement from Umbridge, as long as they can like you know throw their weight around, yeah. quote unquote officially. But and we had more of it in the actual book about oh, yeah. like when uh, the Quidditch matches happened and she suspended Harry and oh, that was and all that and you know let let the uh, Slytherins Quidditch team practice and sooner and reorganize their team after she banned everything and yeah I think I think that that still got across in the film without all that extra stuff but and you saw how selfish and manipulative she ma- manipulative she could be. Yeah, and I'm not even usually a fan of the montage. To be honest, I don't, I don't usually like that in, in films. But you know, I, I think it actually worked. Oh, I well this I time. Loved I love the movie. montage Me too. because the it's the, good with like progression of time. Yeah, you don't yep, have to sit that's through what all this. And the, the she's got a great theme. The um, what was it? The Daily Prophet. All that stuff with the Daily Prophet was amazing. It was just like. I don't know, I'm a graphic designer, so I kind of eat up. I like the whole font thing and the page layout, and 
I, I like that too. It. And Umbridge's score was amazing too. Just that, I, I really enjoyed those <laughs> scenes. <laughs> yeah. And then we saw the choiring again. Oh, speaking yeah. of that. <laughs> The what? The Do they have the frogs? There? I forget. I don't think they, they had yeah. Wicked and Choir. No frogs. Forgot. They probably graduated. No, they, they ran <laughs> off with their mistress <laughs> of the shrunken heads. They passed their notes, did they? Yeah, they passed their notes, and now they're, they're going off and shacking up with the shrunken heads from movie three as yes. well. Uh, it's such a funny thing to bring back. I, well, like, I think they just they so brought him back. Choir? Like, I really, it's really frustrating. It made him like Flitwick is one of my favorite professors, and I don't like yeah. I don't like his new look. I think he looks too uptight. I think he looks classy, and like you know, and I always think Ravenclaws yeah. are pretty classy. But in the books, he's just so much more lighthearted. <laughs> yeah, I drink an umbrella drinks and things. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is so. It was such a jarring uh, transformation from like his first realization and like the first movies. Uh, it was almost, like it was almost too heavy-handed. elfish kind of thing. But even Joe admitted that that was not at all how she pictured Flitwick to be. Oh, in <laughs> when, the first two she movies? Saw it, in the first two movies. And when she saw him, she was like, oh my gosh, who the heck is this person? <laughs> oh, really? She just seen him as a tiny she, person? She never described Flitwick as like a, like a dwarf or like an elf or anything. She described him as just a very small person. <laughs> and that's, I guess, that's, that's what they have him at now. So, that's true. I don't know. He's, he's still funny looking. <laughs> Well, I just like how he doesn't have a wand. He has his, like, a choir baton. He's not going to win any duels with that. You think that's, uh, that's his wand, too? No, it's not. I, I checked. What? I'm just kidding. Some database for this. Oh, gosh. Well, what do we have for next week's um, Phoenix Files? Because this yes, is so hard with this wait. movie not out on I know, DVD um, yet. <laughs> ridiculous they keep track of this crap oh it's the rumor requirement right that's when Neville finds a rumor requirement or no because congratulations oh Neville. I love that scene I love that entire Found sequence requirement. requirement sequence it's my da, favorite da, 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 da. I love it I like the Patronuses yeah and I was really upset we didn't get to see the swan and then I realized oh because you know Cho is a little snitch yeah I think before this we we have to watch um, Trelawney get fired and Dumbledore yelling <laughs> Dumbledore yelling once again Fascinating. Dear me. <laughs> Dumbledore's all like, oh, look at all these kids. They're all traumatized. They don't know what's happening. And they don't know who this woman is. And so they've not seen me, you know, in weeks. <laughs> Lord knows where I've been. So I'm going to come in and yell at him. Because that'll, that'll, show. that'll show him. Because Tough love. And then after that, right now. the floggings. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One at a time. At the Whomping Willow. Willow. Doug, the Whomping the Willow. Willow is the punishment giver, I guess. Whomping God. Willow floggings. We're taking this to new places. Yeah. Don't tell Matt. The Whomping Willow likes to drink fire Don't whiskey tell and get cronky. Indeed. He dump it on his roots. Yep. On his roots. Let's take jingle spells. Let's take a minute to talk about how awesome and jingle spells is. And the artwork that was done by because a it goes fabulous to artist. The amazing oh. artwork. Oh, look at that. Oh, it's right. Oh... Mr. Frankie Frack Fracko. Frack is famous. Not yet. <laughs> he, he drew all he of the artwork for Jingle Spells, which is our charity CD of Wizard Rock Christmas uh, songs. And there are buttons all over Pottercast.com and Leaky if you want to click them and listen to clips. My favorite button is the one with the penguin on it. <laughs> <laughs> is, that his, who's, is that your Patronus there, Mr. Frank? 
It's a secret. Oh, is that that's somebody's Patronus? We don't know whose it is. It's it's it, it's not mine, even though I love penguins. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't hear uh, that. Well, anyway, we we give much thanks to you for all that beautiful work, and uh, everybody should be starting to get some of that in the mail soon, right? Well, I just think it's awesome that you know that you guys put it together and. The, the, you know, all the, the Wizard Rockers so willing just to donate a song and give it such a great cause and a fun way of totally. celebrating the, the, se- the holiday totally. season. I think, I think they're in the mail right now, actually, that everybody was pre-ordered so far. Oh, how did the packing party I wasn't go? around. I heard it went I like fine. The, the video Melissa put fun. up. Unpacking jingle spells. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was that amazing, was the unboxing. Bye-bye. Let's all take a moment <laughs> to talk about how awesome so. We have to take a moment to move on with the show, unfortunately. I know. I'm being he stupid. He has muffins for That's him. Gonna be a Thank you. Rita. Snapper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He has muffins. Snapper. <laughs> oh, my God. That felt so weird. I haven't heard it Snapper. in like, really <laughs> Oh, wow. You know okay. what we should do? We should see I think the, the muffin, muffin man, man should... R- running <laughs> the, from new donut. Yes. the donut awesome. and the donut sits he falls in love with Snape's mistress oh god and they both yell off and they both they have an affair Ooh. on Snape well, interesting this could get really that's tricksy <laughs> this could be you well, know Snape's good this, dead something interesting for the Pottercast <laughs> acting troupe if you know the more t- it, uh, right yeah well, I want to see I- in the seventh movie when Snape gets bitten by Nagini, oh I want to see his mistress to bust through the window. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That'd be devastating. That'd make me cry. Oh, poor lady. Snappa. Oh, I know. Well, thank you. thank you three so much for joining us this thank week. You. Thank you. Thanks for having us. us. It's so great to have you guys on the week after our... Uh, our first big fandom podcast episode, and you guys are all very good friends to the fandom and friends to the podcast, and uh, oh, we all know each other from the meeting at up at conventions and things like that. So, in Disneyland, and Disney, right. Disneyland, and Disneyland. Got, somehow got indoctrinated into the fandom before, it was, it was our master before the Potter Park was born. Oh, but I went on um, Tower of Terror and I didn't see any. <laughs> oh yeah, we were vandalizing Tower of Terror with Pottercast stickers. That was fun, basically. Oh, sad. Oh, yeah. Oh, no one I'm did that. Saying, that's terrible. Someone did do it, that's... and they told me. Oh, that's right. I saw people right. putting Mugglecast stickers up. <laughs> yes. Good lord. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, thank you so much, you three. And uh, Sue and I will have to wrap this puppy up. And we'll hopefully hear from you guys again in another future show. Yes. Indeed. Work it. Yes, that would be awesome and fun. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> See bye. you guys. Bye. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Scribby 5, the five-minute podcast of our essay project, Scribulus. Uh, issue number 20 is here, and you can find that at www.scribulus.com. 
Don't forget, if you have an essay to send to us, mail it in to scribulus at theleakycauldron.org. I am Laura, or Music Cows on the Board, and I'm here with Erin, or Calpheus, on the board, and she's going to tell you all about our essay topic of the day. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, today we are talking about an essay called Harry Potter and the Distinction Between Good and Evil, and it's by an author named Emma. And uh, this is actually a really deep essay. She really um, took her own concept of ethics and morality, and she evaluated four of the characters in the Harry Potter series from her different conception of good and evil. And what she talks about in her essay is something called the ethics of love. And she says, I define the term good as an action motivated by the ethics of love. The ethics of love is a belief that you should treat everyone in an equally loving manner with the intention of reducing stuff suffering in the world. And she goes on to talk about the ethics of fear as being the opposite of the ethics of love, in which the ethics of fear you actually um, influence people's behavior by treat by using punishment and the fear of suffering to keep them behaving in an ethically or morally favorable way. And so the two contrasts, like she's trying to say, by loving people and caring for them and trusting them, you're able to influence their behavior and bring them to a better understanding of of the world or the universe and and the contrast by using ethics of fear you might be able to control their behavior but you can't bring them to what she refers to as enlightenment so it's actually pretty deep stuff it really is I, I am very impressed with this author and her thought processes as I look at this essay um, let's talk about this ethics of love what do you think well personally I actually have an interesting point about that I think Joe she invoked the ethics of love in her book when she said that love was the power that Harry had that could defeat Lord Voldemort, the thing that Lord Voldemort didn't have and didn't understand. So she invoked this concept that love would actually bring him down. But then to me, she didn't really use it. What she actually demonstrated was um, that evil is self-defeating, which is slightly different. It's not really the same thing, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like, basically, Lord Voldemort defeats himself at every turn, and Harry is preserved by his mother's sacrifice. So he did have this love, this protection of his own bravery, his own caring for other people, and then his mother's sacrifice kept him alive. But it didn't um, actually work as a weapon or anything like we had all wondered about. It was really Lord Voldemort himself that made one bad choice after the next. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, (laughs) certainly underestimated Harry a lot. That's a bad choice in itself. True. What did you think, Laura? Okay, so her point here is that really it's all about the motivation. Am I following that correctly, Erin? That if if you are motivated by love, if you want to better yourself and the people around you, then that is good. However, if you are motivated um, for selfish reasons like fear um, or ignorance, Maybe. Right. Actually, it's interesting you say that because I actually really thought that at first, too, when I was reading it, that it had a lot to do with motivation. And so she does talk about that. And she I think that's a little confusing in the essay where she says, like, fear is something that people it causes people because they don't understand the, the truth. They don't have enlightenment. They can't understand the same as God could or something because they have that. They're afraid. 
And so she does talk about that, but when she uses the term the ethics of fear, she doesn't mean exactly the same thing. What she means with that is like, if your soul's going to fall apart into pieces, you're afraid of that suffering. So it prevents you from doing a horcrux, but you didn't really learn anything through that. So it, it's more like you're afraid of the consequences. Exactly. That's the ethics of fear. It's making people do what you want, what would be morally right, through their fear of being punished for doing the wrong thing. Where the ethics of love encourages them to do the right thing because they love. So because they love you and they care about you, because they've learned love from the way you treated them lovingly, then because they love you and care about you, then they will then turn around and act loving themselves. That's what she's thinking. So let's replace the word motivation with intent. Would that be better then? It's, gosh, it's, it's a good question. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I think, I mean, yeah, I think so. I think she's almost thinking of it in a whole different way. Like we like to think of things like if you intended to cause suffering, then you are to blame. But if you did it by accident, then you aren't. And I think all those things are good and they have meaning for us and stuff for us to figure out what's right and wrong. But I think she's actually sort of transcended that whole idea in this essay. She's even above that. Yeah. And she's thinking it's not about any of that stuff. You know, God knows things we don't know, understands things we don't understand. It's hard for us to judge. So we're using our simple ideas. But if we just love other people, if we trust them and love them, everything would be okay. That's what she's really getting at. It's that underlying idea. So if, if someone would do something out of love and it would turn out to have bad consequences, it would still be good by the definition ethics of love. Wow. Right. It would. And, then, and what she would say is that we think the consequence is bad, but it isn't. That we just don't understand. And suffering, she actually says in the essay, suffering might be necessary sometimes, and we just don't understand. So she actually brings up that Lord Voldemort's bad acts that he performed, if it hadn't been for him, we would never have seen Lily's true love sacrifice. Oh. So she actually brings that up. So it's some serious, deep, mind-bending stuff. It's hard to think about it that way. Right. Because it's hard not to be angry with the things Lord Voldemort has done. I mean, that's really... It's hard to transcend that. <laughs> well, it's hard to see how anything good could have come out of Lord Voldemort, but she's right in that we have a very human vantage point. We can't see beyond what's just happened or what is, you know, when wrong has been done to us, how can we see beyond that, right? I know. So. I know. You're right. So basically, if you want to know what she thinks about Snape, Voldemort, Dumbledore and Harry, you can come to Scribulus.com and read the essay and she'll give you the rundown on that. Yeah, all about the ethics of love. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> That's it. Alright. Bye. And we're back. And we're back to the musical wrap-up. We need to have like Christmas music. I've been listening to um, Jingle Spells Although, here in Michigan, where I'm currently residing, they started playing Christmas music November 1st on the radio. Oh, jeez. I mean, I just thought, you know what, that's a little bit much. That's a bit early. It's like something wrong about it. Do you have any of those radio stations there that play it nonstop? Yeah, we do. And it started playing it on November 1st. It was crazy. It was wild. Mm -hmm. We've been getting some uh, emails and Mm -hmm. comments back from people who received their jingle spells. Oh, yes. uh, They all seem to be quite positive, Mm -hmm. so... Very happy to hear you guys are enjoying it, and there's still time, I think, if you uh, 
are missing out. Yes, I would like to say a special thank you to our friend, Mr. Frankie Franco, who we just heard on our show. Yes. And he did the beautiful artwork. Although, John, I would like to talk about those of you who have received your jingle spells will notice the artwork. And in the corner, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you will see a three certain... Um, <laughs> Patroni. Patronuses. <laughs> Patronuses. Yeah, and are you Fred the Armadillo? Is that what I you're... am Fred the Armadillo. <laughs> Fred is my Patronus. Because I, I just thought, you know, I really, if I had to guess, I would give, I think you should be a fire crab because I'm looking at the thing. A fire crab? <laughs> what would I do with that? I don't know. Just kind of all sparkly and kind of insane. You Could know? you imagine me trying to deliver messages with the fire crab people? <laughs> be like, what was that? <laughs> I, I zap those things all the time. I love to play the Harry Potter games, and then have those stupid fire crabs in every, you know, in the games. You know, the stupid you. fire crabs. Okay, I, I hear you now. <laughs> Loud and clear. <laughs> no, but I just thought. But you know what? They're feisty. They're they're just pesky, and you know. And I thought, you know what? That'd be a good one for you. <laughs> so right. when, I, when I first glanced at that, I thought it's a fire crab, and then I realized it was Fred. But <laughs> yes. Not a fire crab. It doesn't look anything like it. He is rather large <laughs> by, by Fred scales. But uh, well, at least you I know. still don't know what happened to Fred. It's bizarre. Like as soon as oh, yeah. Fred died in the book, I couldn't find Fred the armadillo anywhere. You know what? I think he is with Kung Fu Snape because I think they have just run away together. They've been kidnapped. <laughs> They're in a box where Melissa's living. Or- I think so. It's actually where they are. <laughs> <laughs> but no, as soon as as soon as we lost Fred in the books, I lost Fred in real Aww. life. Aww. People were saying it was very bizarre that I decided to name an uh, animal Fred yeah. a week before the book came out, and Fred ended up kicking the bucket. Uh, see, I'm telling you, it's, you're psychic. You really, you really do get a lot right. I, I will have a connection. Say that I have been impressed. My instincts are good and almost always right. <laughs> Not almost always. That's a quote, <laughs> to quote a famous person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you did pretty good, although there's some that, you know, kind of still dodging. I know. I missed quite a few. <laughs> well, considering I got only one thing I think right was the cuff, cup of Hufflepuff, but the rest, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel um, like I want to start a new segment, like a little mini thing, uh-huh. because I've been reading Sorcerer's Stone lately. Okay. And I feel like since Deathly Hollows, there are a lot of like, oh, yeah. kind of moments in these earlier books. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to start writing them down and be like, did you see this yeah. moment? And just seeing if everybody agrees with me, that that's something interesting. Because there was one I just read. I'm, people are probably like already have came to these conclusions long before myself. Mm-hmm. But I was reading the moment in the Great Hall when Harry is sitting down there for the first time. He's looking up at the staff table, uh-huh. and his scar starts hurting. And we're all thinking, whoa, why is Voldemort, you know, attacking Harry like this? And uh-huh. when we saw him look at Snape, and then his scar hurt, mm-hmm. we're probably thinking, oh, Snape's a bad guy. But they were very specific to describe Snape doing legitimacy right. on Harry, because they <clears throat> talked about how he met his eyes and everything. Right. So it's like, is this little part of Voldemort inside of Harry the thing that's flaring up at this point when he's getting attacked from legitimacy? What do you is think? Is that why his scars hurting? Because why else? Know. Why else would Voldemort pick that exact moment that Snape is staring him in the eyes? Yeah, and some could say, well, maybe he, you know, Snape was trying to see if Voldemort was in there, you know, trying to help him. I don't yeah. know, maybe. Though, so, you know, according to Snape, at that point, he says how. 
No, we were all kind of watching this kid because we thought that he might have been the next Dark Lord. And, yeah, that's true. And that's not so. Yeah, that cool is cool stuff. though to go back and think it like when you're reading it through. So yeah, that's very. Yeah, cool. you guys should all write if you if you read reading the earlier books one, two, and three and stuff. Mm-hmm. Write down anything that struck you this time since Deathly Hollows that didn't necessarily strike you before Deathly Hollows. And yeah. We'll read some of them because... Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Send them in. That'd be cool. There are quite a few because Joe is brilliant like that. Yes, she, she had is. it all planned out. She's amazing. Amazing. So is there <gasps> any announcements for next week? No, but um, Jungle Spells, I still believe at this point, is still available. But it's still um, available for a little while longer. Not much. And if you have paid for them they are coming in separate envelopes we said that last time but mm-hmm. you know that hang in there you know don't give up yeah. hope i think melissa was going to do another set of mailings too i don't know yeah she oh. and speaking of christmas songs sue yes oh, we'd like to announce perhaps another christmas type song show do 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 any of you filkers out there remember how to make christmas filk songs Woo! yes remember how to do it for podcasts <laughs> We are going to have a Christmas filk show. Yay! I and love those. And we will be airing it, I suppose, around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. But I think a reasonable date to have all that in by is mm-hmm. December 16th. Have all of your Christmas filks in. It's nice. I mean, we people have been enjoying Jingle Spells, but I think this is just another way for you know the, mm-hmm. us that can't play in a rock band. I know. Well, this it. is fun. Everybody, if there's new, new listeners, mm-hmm. you haven't heard our filk shows, so you don't know what a hell of filk is. You just take any other, any song out there that you like, you know, Britney Spears, you know, you know, give me more, you know, sandwiches. Just change the lyrics to something Christmassy or something Harry Potter Christmassy. Right. Yeah. And you, you sing it to a karaoke track. You can find it online or through legal channels, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. We encourage that. There is actually a lot of threads on the Leaky Lounge. Yes, quite a bit. In the podcast area about filks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people there who are uh, always helpful and, uh, right. and and look anxious to help new right. filkers figure out what to do, what software to use, and that sort of stuff. It's great fun. I know there's even another podcast out there because our staff is even doing it. But it's wonderful. Yes. But, yes. Um, I think Swish and Phil. Maybe. Yes. Is that it? Yeah, I think that so. Sounds, MJ, that don't kill right. me. But, and Bandersnatch. But on, I just hope that... But yeah, and, lots of diehard filgers out there. Yes, they are. And, you know, it's not just Christmas. I think, you know, there are other holidays, you know, like religions, if you would like to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's a holiday. Holiday so, folk show, for so sure. All holidays. But there's many great songs. I mean, you can... There's so much you could do now. Even with... Now we have new material. We have a new book. So, you yes. know, get do a whole thing about that. Absolutely. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. Send it in. Oh. woo I don't know if we're going to sing. I don't... I mean, because you and Melissa did that fabulous duo. Oh, the, the Voldy... Was it? Was, what was it? cold outside. The Voldy is cold outside, I think. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> we probably won't be re-airing it unless <laughs> Melissa's still out of town. Yeah. Then there's a chance we might be. But I think she probably just heard that from England right now, so... Yeah. <laughs> She's, She's like, her, curse you, John! Down. Don't you volunteer me for anything! Yeah. Dead. <laughs> oh well, we have to wrap things oh, up. I guess it was so. a fun week. Thanks to our guest hosts. That's right. Our good friends Rita, Brian, Frackle Frack. We'll and, be having um, new hosts again. Thank you for everybody sending in your emails and your auditions and stuff. It's been great. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We will see you guys next week. Happy shopping. I know it's the big frenzy season, so be careful. Totally. Check out thecollagenshop.com for That's deals. Right. Lots of neat stuff. Oh, man. So many good stuff this year. Yep. 
Alrighty. All right. Bye, everyone. Have a great Bye, week. Bye, Sue. Bye, Joe. Bye. Bye, audience. Bye. Bye, Bye pod, pod people. Bye, pod people. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> this week's Pottercast was produced by the Pottercast Trio and Steve Bonnet. The show was edited by Steed, Hildy, Samantha, and Liz. Thanks to our Scooby 5 team, Aaron and Nina, and thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com.